Well, I am excited about our sermon series that uh, we are starting today. And it begins with the fact that all of us have a story worth sharing, that we are actually uh, a, a part of God's story. We all have a story worth sharing, and these stories uh, can impact and make a difference in other people's lives. Whether we think, well, it's not really important, it's small or insignificant, or maybe it's just too ordinary. But when God is in the picture, what is ordinary can become extraordinary. Amen? And so this sermon series was inspired uh, by a broadcast of CBS News in 1998 through 2004, and it was entitled, Everybody Has a Story. And in this series, um, uh, the news people would go to a giant map of the United States, and they would throw a dart at that uh, map, and then they would go and look and see what city was closest to that dart, and that's where they would go. And then when they got to the city, they would go to a phone booth, if you know what that is. And uh, there was a phone book in that phone booth, and they would open it up, and they would just randomly uh, point to a name, and they would go to that person, and they would interview them and then share their story. And so we are doing a similar thing. Uh, We have took all of the names of the people in the church and put them on separate little pieces of paper and put it in a basket. And uh, I think Kara actually took those uh, names out of that basket. And so that's how we came up with uh, this sermon series. And so our very first interview is with uh, Travis Schulte. And so uh, let's listen uh, to Travis's story. Travis Schulte grew up just down the road in Nazareth, Texas. He played just about every sport they offered. He was even an all-state drummer in the band and showed pigs in school. Growing up in a large Catholic family, he told me he has 50 first cousins. Faith and family was always important to him. Well, you know, my grandmother was uh, probably the biggest influence as far as, you know, my church influence. She's the one that was always, uh, well, I'll go light a candle for you or... Mm -hmm. I said a rosary for you this morning mm-hmm. and, 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 and things like that. So, you know, she would have been my biggest influence without question. Growing up, you know, in Naz, we had nuns mm-hmm. in, in the school that were our teachers. And when I was in grade school, actually, on Wednesday mornings, they would walk the entire school from the school to the church, and we would have an hour of CCD class yeah. in public school, basically. Yeah. And the kids who weren't Catholics, the eight or ten that weren't Catholics, got to stay at the school and play dodgeball. <laughs> so we were never too happy about that. <laughs> Especially y'all were like, we're not Catholic anymore. <laughs> yeah, we were never, go play dodgeball. never too happy about that. But, you know, times have changed a lot, obviously, that you could do that in a public school yeah. setting. I'm always struck by Travis's love of life and his infectious spirit. He loves what he does, teaching young men the game of basketball and, even more importantly, the game of life. The faith and family trump all. When he found out that he was going to be a father the first time, he was nervous when he realized he was going to have a baby girl. He didn't know what to do with girls. But when his oldest, Shaylin, was born, he fell in love instantly. He says he loves being the dad of girls. But life hasn't always been easy for Travis. He's no stranger to loss. And, you know, I lost, lost my dad, at, like yeah. I said, at 16 months. Um, lost my little brother in a car wreck. He was at college here at WT, um, and he was 
19 years old. Yeah. He was going into coaching. I was coaching in Perryton at the time. Yeah. You know, so just been been through a lot. Right. Not everybody has, but I mean, there's yeah. a there's a, a lot there's a lot that I've gone through, and, and you know, obviously, you know, whenever we find out that Tatum was sick, I just and I was immediately in my prayer, like yeah. just like any dad, like right, like take me. Tatum Schulte, the youngest daughter of Travis and Shauna, died at nine years of age from osteosarcoma. So tell me about your relationship with God since her death. I, I don't know that it's really any different, to be honest with you. I've always had a very simplistic, is what I tell people, simplistic relationship with God. Um, you know, I hear, I hear you talk about it. I hear lots of people talk about it. It's good to question, and it's good. And, and I've never been that person. Like, I've always just believed in the basic, if you're a believer, you're going to heaven. And, and, and I don't ever really get yeah. much fancier than that. Yeah. So, so that's, that's never changed for me. Like, I, I was a believer before and, and feel like I was saved before, and, and that, hasn't, that hasn't changed. Um, obviously... My relationship became stronger because we spoke so much more often, you know, during that whole process with Tatum. And, uh, but, you know, there were so many cool things and so many, you've heard us talk about this, so many God things that through that whole journey, um, you know, I, I remember saying a lot of times, you know, God has his fingerprints all over this. Like we'd leave the hospital or, or leave a Houston doctor's appointment and I would just tell Sean, whew. His fingerprints are all over that. Isn't it crazy? Like, you get goosebumps just yeah. thinking about it. Right. So uh, just, uh, you know, a stronger relationship, but I don't think, I don't think it's any different, mm-hmm. per se. You know, we've talked about this, the horror, the horribleness of cancer. But as you mentioned just a second ago, God's fingerprints was all through that process. What part of that experience, even though it was horrible, would you not want to have missed? You know, the, the, what's funny about you saying that is the experience wasn't horrible. Mm-hmm. You know, the end result was horrible. The experience had right. hills and valleys and mountains. And, and, you know, like my relationship with Tatum became the strongest father-daughter relationship you could possibly have. Like, it, it's interesting when you spend that much time in the hospital with your kiddo um, like you learn to love very, very deeply. Like you get to the point where, you know, if I didn't see her maybe for a day or two, like I just missed her so much just because all the giggles and all the laughs and all the snuggles and just everything that you were almost forced to do, right. you know, instead of being at work from eight to five every single day, Monday through Friday, you know, I was going and taking care of my basketball stuff. And then I was going to the hospital and I was taking a nap with Tatum or, you know, we were going to, to the putting green down at BSA and, and we were putting where we were, I was going to the cafeteria and taking pictures of every single vending machine and we were, we were talking through our walkie-talkies about what she wanted. You know, there's just so many memories, even in bad times, that were just incredible. There was some bad, don't get me wrong, but golly, there was some good. Travis Schulte, a man of simple faith, a man that loves being a basketball coach, who loves being the husband of Shauna, who loves being a dad, and who loves his life. Thanks be to God. An amazing story. 
of faith. And I wish that there was times that you could have seen uh, the entire interview because uh, it, it was fabulous. Travis's story is a fascinating story. Uh, and maybe you know this story uh, because the, what took place in, in Tatum's life and what happened in uh, this family uh, happened in the life of this, of this church and in this community. Um, and it's something that you don't forget because you live life together, you cry together, you pray together. And when Rick sat down with Travis and interviewed him, I, I listened to this story, and I knew that this was going to be a story about faith. And so let's look at this part of the scripture in Hebrews about faith. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. This is a powerful verse. It's a, a verse that we need to commit to memory, to know in our heart. I'd like for you to say it with me, please. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The author of Hebrews encourages us and reminds us that we are to take our faith journey very seriously, to protect it, to keep it strong, and to not take it for granted. The author of Hebrews is urging the church to rekindle its passion for Jesus and for the kingdom of God. And in chapter 11, the author just doesn't tell us what to do, but he reminds us of the stories of the people who have gone before us. And these are stories of faith. There are great stories throughout the Bible, uh, wonderful stories of heroes. Uh, we have superheroes, and I would say that these are our supernatural heroes. The Bible is, is a story of, of faith, and it reminds us of who we are. It is a story that God invites us to come and to be a part of. And what a joy it is that he allows us to be a part of his story. And for us to know who we are, we have to know the story. We have to know what is in God's word. God's word is holy, and the, and the, the Bible is, is worthy of sharing uh, the good news with other people. And that is why you have a story that is worth telling. Because stories help us to remember important themes. Stories help us to know the, the meaning and the purpose and the value that we have in this life. And, and people relate to stories. Children love to listen to stories, especially bedtime stories. Yes, amen. And if we adults are honest with ourselves, we love to listen to stories as well. I love sto a good storyteller. Jesus used stories all the time for his teachings. When the disciples would ask him a question, he would often answer them uh, by using a story. Uh, he would take principles of our faith, and then he would tell a story and how we could relate to that principle and how we are able to live that out in real life. Uh, Jesus would often take ordinary things, things that we see often, things that we would know and understand in order to try to communicate to us a, maybe a deep theological idea. And so he took those things that, that would help us uh, to know what it is that he was trying to say. Jesus would teach us about the kingdom of God, and he used stories. He used parables, which a parable is basically a story within a story. Uh, he reminded us of uh, the prophets and the faithful ones who have gone before us. And so I would say that it is really important for us to remember the stories of those who have gone before us. And that is why I love Hebrews chapter 11. Now, chapter 11 is basically known as the great hall of faith. 
And if you haven't read chapter 11, I encourage you to do that maybe sometime today because it is very inspiring. And so in verse 1, it begins with that great definition that we just said together of a statement of faith. And then it goes on and it says, Indeed, by faith our ancestors received approval. By faith we understand that the words were prepared by the word of God, or that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. And then in the very next verse, the words says, by faith. By faith. 17 times in 31 verses, the author of Hebrews reminds us of the stories of those who have gone before us. And you could take and look at each one of them and uh, study each one a day. And man, I would say that your faith would definitely be built up. And these stories of faith are important because it strengthens us and it tells us who we are. And in this uh, great hall of faith, it says, by faith, Abel offered to God a sacrifice that was acceptable. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he wouldn't have to experience death. By faith, Noah built an ark. By faith, Abraham obeyed. By faith, Isaac gave blessings for the future of Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob blessed each of the sons of Joseph. By faith, Moses was hidden by his parents uh, for three months after his birth. By faith, the people of Israel passed through the Red Sea. By faith, the walls of Jericho came down. And by faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient. Wow. That is encouraging just reading that list alone. And then after all those names and people are listed in um, chapter 11 of Hebrews, then the author goes on and says, And what's more should I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, uh, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword, won strength out of, uh, out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead by resurrection. Others were tortured, refusing to accept release in order to obtain a better resurrection. Doesn't that make you just want to shout Hallelujah. That all of these things that have taken place. So Hebrews chapter 11 is designed not only to remind us, but to inspire us in our faith. It's kind of like a coach uh, giving a pep talk right before uh, the big game. He is reminding us of our heritage, our purpose, our calling in life. Uh, he is reminding us uh, that God is with us and that our faith is very critical. Our faith is very important, and, uh, and he is reminding us that we have promises and that we have the future of the resurrection. And so we must be a people of faith, even in the faith of things that seem to be too great to overcome, even in the faith of evil itself, even in the face of a pandemic called COVID, and even in the midst of death, we can have faith. Amen? So what does a life of faith mean? What does it involve? Well, the author of Hebrews pauses with this list of what I call the heroes of the faith, and he lets us in in on it. He lets us know what's involved. In verse 6, he says, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. 
For whoever would approach him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And so I find it interesting that the very first thing that it says is that we must believe that God exists. And the truth is that there are many out there in our world today that don't believe that God exists. And we cannot have faith without a true trust in God's existence. Furthermore, faith involves us approaching to God. We are to come to God. We are to seek him with our entire heart. Faith requires action. And it's not just a a logical assessment. Uh, It is an action item. True faith requires us to take action in response to God's love, in response to God's promises for us. And in our list of heroes of the faith, it was their action that was accounted to them that was important. Faith requires us to act and to live faithfully. And I am so thankful that God is faithful even when I'm unfaithful. He is there for us. And faith also has a confidence that God will reward those who exercise this type of faith. And so we can take great confidence in knowing that God has rewards for us and that there is a future in him. And so Christian faith begins with a belief in God and that flows out of faith and, uh, and in a life uh, that is lived out in response to God's love for us. And then with confidence, God will reward us for those who seek him. Now, this is what struck me about Travis's testimony. When he talked about faith, after the death of his daughter Tatum, his faith never wavered. In fact, he said, I have a simple faith. I believe that God exists and that those who believe in Jesus Christ, that the reward is that you have eternal life, both here and now upon this earth and forever with Jesus Christ. And it is obvious to me that Travis definitely has the gift of faith because he has experienced a lot of death. He lost his father at a very young age. Uh, His younger brother died, and then his youngest daughter died. And these are all tragedies and heartaches. And yet he had great confidence in God that there was a future and that one day he will see these loved ones again. Faith clings to the promises of God. And as you read Hebrews 11, and through this list of those who have faith and by faith that they overcame these things, how many of you realize and understand that many of these people that are listed here did not actually see the fulfillment of the promise of the future that they had hoped for? And yet they had faith. God shared the promise to Abraham that he would be a father of great nation, and yet Abraham died before that was fulfilled. Moses, too, uh, was called to lead the Israelites into the promised land, and yet he never did go into that promised land. He did see it at a distance, but he died and did not go in. And those are hard things for us to look at. But faith trusts that God knows because we put our faith in who God is, in the character of God, and we trust that God knows best and that he will guide us where we need to be. So what I think is interesting, though, is that in this list of the heroes of faith, in this list of the things that they have done, there is not one single healing in this passage. Travis's daughter didn't receive her healing 
here upon this earth. And yet Travis still had faith. Now, we do see healings and miracles throughout the Bible. In fact, we are going to hear a miracle story next week. But in this list, there is not any healings. In Hebrews 11, we encounter an offering given to God. We see transportation to heaven, the building of a giant boat, the moving of a family from one nation to another, the gift of a child and the obedience of offering that child uh, back to God. We see blessings of children and people being able to see into the future, the choosing of suffering and hardship over pleasure. We see keeping of the law. We see suffering and persecution and conquering in war and being delivered from wild animals and fires and experiencing resurrection, which is a lot but there are no stories of healing. In Travis's faith journey, Tatum wasn't healed, but he had the faith and he knows her future and that she is made whole and well and complete and she is with Jesus Christ now. Amen? He has faith and, pro- and he has placed his faith in the promises of God and that throughout this journey of cancer, they were able to see the fingerprints of God throughout, that God was present, that he was with them and that there were magnificent things that were taking place. But this faith story, it inspires me. It, it fills me with joy. It strengthens me in realizing that we don't have to be afraid. We don't even have to be afraid of death itself. That God is here and, uh, and we do not need to be afraid that his love is greater. But it's here is where your story intersects with this Bible story. And this is what I need you to hear that is so important. Your life story is worth sharing. Your life story. You have something to say. And often when we look at this list of heroes of the faith, names like Abraham and Moses Moses and Isaac and Jacob, we tend to disconnect our lives from them because we think, well, they had a great and a powerful story. Their names are listed here in the Bible, and uh, they're probably better and stronger and more faithful than I am. That's why their names are there. But if you're thinking that, then uh, you've missed the whole point. And you may be thinking, well, I don't have anything great really to share. I haven't made a major impact in very many people's lives. But you're wrong because you never know what God will do if you will simply be obedient and be willing to share your faith story. Because faith, living a life of faith, is actually something that a disciple of Jesus Christ does normally. It is a normal part of our life. And if you are journeying with Jesus, if you are living in his grace, if you are hanging on to his promises and applying them into your life, then your name could have been in this list in Hebrews chapter 11. By faith. And insert your name there. By faith. Your life story is worth sharing. And I pray that by the Holy Spirit that you are empowered and given the ability to go forth and to share that story with those who are in desperate need of Jesus Christ. And so I remind you again where we started in Hebrews 11.1. I'd like for you to say it again with me. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Powerful, powerful verse. 
And so as we close this morning, I want you to take a minute, and I just want you to look to your left, look to your right, turn around and look behind you. Yes, you get, this is the time you get to turn around and look at those who are sitting behind you. And what I want you to realize is that you are in the presence of the great Hall of Fame because each of you have a powerful story to share. Have you ever thought about this being a room, a Hall of Fame, and that y'all are heroes of the faith? And yet it is true. And the writer of Hebrews, as he finishes up this, chapter 11, he tells us what our next steps are. And they're in chapter 12. And so what I want you to do is to stand because we're going to say these next steps together. And I want you to say it like you mean it, to shout it to the rooftops. I mean, don't go by faith. It's by faith, okay? Are y'all ready? Therefore, hey, therefore, since... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Hallelujah. Let's give God a clap offering. Woo! Yes, and amen.